AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Ooh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song? Of course. The choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 Plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. I almost thought we were going to do this next episode in two parts because it was, it was so good. Um, Carrie Edwards is her name. We're about to have her on. She's president of KP Entertainment, but she manages Luke, Brian, and Cole Swindell. And you're going to hear her story, and I'm just going to leave it at that. But the good news is that the air conditioning works in this room. The bad news is my entire house is like a freaking sauna. Oh, really? <laughs> The air went out. My air goes out about once every three or four months, and they come and they fix it, and they go, we got it fixed, and then it dies again. And they're like, well, we can do the part, and the part will cost you $90, or we can put in a whole system, and that'll cost you $4,000. I don't want a whole system, so I'll do the next part. But I've done it like five times. For some reason, the thing keeps breaking. So thank goodness um, that the, the, this room stayed cool because – I was really looking forward to the next next one, and I know Carrie a bit now, and we get to know each other through first just her bringing Luke and Cole by the radio show, but then as even my career started to change and I started to have some bigger roles, and especially on American Idol, where we were together every week, so uh, for me it was exciting to have her in, and so that's coming up in just a second. Uh, I want to encourage you to check out, as I often say, some of our podcasts on the Nashville Podcast Network including Caroline Hobby's podcast, Get Real, where speaking of Luke Bryan, she does a fantastic podcast with Caroline Bryan, Luke's wife. Scroll back and find that one. It was really the one that put me on, I knew Caroline, um, to put me on a Caroline's podcast, but that was the one where I was like, oh, she's really got some gold here with, with her idea of this show. So check out Get Real with Caroline Hobby, and you can uh, see that podcast with Caroline Bryan, Luke's wife, um, just because Luke's top of mind right now. But also, there's one with... Frankie Ballard's? Yeah, Christy Ballard. His yeah, wife. his wife. And um, 
I think that's the new one that's up. Lainey, who is Walker Hayes' wife, Jason Aldean's wife, Brittany. I think there's, um, there's a lot of really great ones on the Get Real podcast. Amy's show, too. And I don't want to go too long in this part because I think with Carrie and myself, we did over an hour some great Luke stories. And I understand a podcast, you pause and, you know, you may go eat or poop or whatever and come back to it. But if you do pause it for some reason, you go to bed, you're on a flight, come back to it because, man, there's some, there's some real gold in here with, with a lot of the artist stories um, that she tells. And, even, you know, she's from a small town in West Virginia. I'll let her tell you about that. Check out, get real, check out the Four Things podcast with Amy Brown, who, that's right, Amy has the last name. It's Brown. And it's a lifestyle podcast for women, but health, fitness, faith, um, it really is fantastic. The guys do a, a, a sports podcast called The Sore Losers, um, and I think they do that like four days a week or so. Um, just, I would say, check it out. And like I say every time, Mike, have we signed our next show yet? Uh, not yet. Oh, not yet. All right. It went from yes, we think, to not yet. We're working on with another show. Um, maybe we get it, maybe we don't. Uh, check out The Raging Idiots. We'll be on tour. It's Eddie and myself. We have a musical and comedy show. It is unlike any Raging Idiots show we've done before. We are finally achieving my dream of doing a comedy music show. Instead of just the band, it's Eddie and I, and I do some stand-up, but we do like a musical at one part, like a Broadway musical. We do get our guitars out and play some of our songs from our record uh, live in Boston that you can check out and stream online. Uh, but check out the new Raging Idiot show as it is morphed into something I'm, I'm slowly getting pretty proud of. I, I really like where it's going. It's going to be fun. So uh, RagingIdiots.com, a lot of the shows have sold out, but there are still some tickets for places like uh, Chicago, Denver, Amarillo, Louisville, Vegas, San Antonio. Come see us. It will be a fantastic time. Um, Mike, do you anything else I want to mention before we get going with the show here? Also check out Velvet's Edge with Kelly Henderson. Absolutely. Great go. call. Forgot about that. And I usually lead with her. Um, and I'll say it's Mike D's birthday today, and here he is. Yeah. On his birthday. It's a work day on his birthday. I have to give you your gift. It's downstairs. <laughs> um, we did one last year on my birthday, too. Uh, Brett Eldridge. That was, that, was, that was a year ago? That was a year ago. Boy, what a fantastic episode. Boy, we're nailing them on your birthday. <laughs> yeah. We're getting some great ones on Mike D's it, birthday. great. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> that was a Go back and find the Brett Eldridge. That Brett Eldridge one actually is what started Brett and I's kind of friendship. Other than just seeing him in the studio, like Brett and I are, I wouldn't say like super friend, but we text and, and try to hang out now, you know? Uh, and that started with that podcast because we really hit it off on that podcast. Um, yeah, happy, happy birthday to you. I guess you did most of your birthday celebrating last yeah, weekend. Yeah, over the weekend. And how'd that go? It was good. I had to yeah. hang out with my family and my girlfriend. It's 58. Yep. You look great. Thank you. Nice 28. Um, yeah, happy birthday to you. So wait, wait, what's anything going on tonight, or are you just going to chill and go to bed? Uh, chill and go to bed. Mm. And the plan. Are, are you sad about that? No, I think yeah. I got everything over the weekend, so I'm good. Well, I have your gift downstairs, and, and you will like it. All right. And I, I had something else in mind, and I was like, you know what? That's not the thing. I saw something when I was out with uh, Bear Grylls, because I just, I just returned from that show last night, actually. Um, you can be watching for that in the, in the winter. I do running wild with Bear Girls. And Bear Girls had something, and I was like, oh, Mike D needs this. Okay. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bazooka. All right, bazooka. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, a baz it's a literal bazooka. But I saw it and thought about you, and I was like, all right, as soon as I get back, um, it's his birthday. And uh, yeah, happy birthday to you, man. You do a great job on this podcast. And um, I mean, we started this freaking thing together. Yeah. 
Look at us in a spare bedroom. And now in a in a <laughs> spare bedroom. And now millions and millions and millions of downloads <laughs> later and streams later. There we are. We got our equipment upgraded. We even had a little adjusting from our last episode. And so, um, yeah, happy birthday to you, man. That's 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 cool. Look at you. Thanks, man. Like a little, I'm, I'm watching watching a little little caterpillar <laughs> turn into a wool butterfly. I put the uh, the show did a post on Instagram. I was like, happy birthday to Mike D. And I put a goat in the Mexican flag. Oh, I didn't see that underneath it. Yeah, <laughs> and then I just forgot, and I came and started doing this show. And I wonder, let's see, if anyone. Cause you never know if you don't like watch what people. You never know. People, what are they? Com- are they comments like, "Hey, Bobby, don't be a douche." Or like, no, I don't see, no comments. Are good. No, oh, good. Well, there you have it. Um, okay, away we go. This is episode one eighty-five. Yep, and it's a good one, and I hope you like it. And and sh- let me say this: if you do like it, please share with your friends on your Insta stories. Share with your friends. Uh, tell them that's how we continue to grow. That's how come we get the cool guests because this thing keeps growing. And it started, we'd get like 500 people listening. Literally, we have millions of people that listen to this thing now. We can't believe it either. So um, we're really proud of it. I think it's the second most listened to show after our show, our radio show. It's the radio show and then this and then like other radio shows and other shows. So, I mean, we, we're, we're so proud of it. And um, if you don't mind sharing that, when we get to do stuff like talk to managers for an hour, about their artists. So we're very proud of it. And uh, here you go with the next episode of the Bobbycast. Here you go. All right, episode 185 of the Bobbycast, which I have to say, Carrie, that I, two things. I was really looking forward to this one because it's rare that you actually get, that I get to bring someone that I really do know. And two, I get to wear shorts because if pe- people I don't know, I have to like dress up a little bit. Yeah. It has to be professional. All I'm, casual around here. I'm in slippers and shorts and a and a like a sweatshirt because I think we should talk about the slippers though. But no, no, these are when I won Dancing with the Stars. Good Morning America made these for me and gave them to me. Well, they should. They're amazing. Yeah. I wish everybody could see them right now. I thought you were making fun of them. Not but. at all. I said they're amazing. Oh well, <laughs> I'm so used to getting made fun of that that's automatically where my mind goes. I get it. So here's the roadmap of what we're gonna do. Have you ever done a long form interview before? Like no. Not really. Like, because it's, it's going to be like an hour. Okay. Have you ever done anything like an hour-long interview about you? Probably not. I've done speaking engagements. Right. Um, that were based on kind of the story or different platforms yeah. in the industry, but probably not an hour long. So here's the roadmap. And we may not do an hour. We may do over. It just depends. We're going to talk about um, Luke and how that started mm-hmm. and where it is now. We're talking about Cole. Okay. We're going to talk about a bit about John and any of the other, John Langston, sorry, any other mm-hmm. projects you have going. And then I want to talk about what a manager is. Okay. Because when I mention, because on this podcast, I really get in the weeds a bit and even talk about my management and, and what happens. So I do want to talk about what a manager does. Okay. And then we'll share personal anecdotes that we have about each other. And then we just wrap it up. And if that takes 20 minutes or two hours, that's going to be what we're going to do. So we're not going to go anywhere super crazy. Okay. Although I will say that when it comes to, Nashville or just the entertainment business, period, and you're not going to want to say much about this because it's kind of me talking about how good you are, is that I, you're one of the most powerful people in country music, and I hope this isn't offensive, but nobody really knows who you are. Does it, is that fair? That's fair, and that's okay. Okay, <laughs> but you are, like, you do make a lot of things happen from way behind the scenes. Was that always a plan for you? Is that what you wanted to do? No. I actually came into this to do A&R. So to find music. The creative side of it, yes. So uh, where'd you go to school? 
Lipscomb University. So here. Mm-hmm. So you go to Lipscomb and you think, all right, you like, I, I assume you like music. That's what you... I did like music. I will confess, though, I went to Lipscomb and did not really plan on going into music. But I actually thought I was going into TV. Like to do what? Like a reporter? To be Katie Curry. That, so that was the dream. <laughs> like, where'd you grow up? West Virginia. Okay, so... In the teeny tiny town outside of Charleston. Of how many people? Mm, there was not even a stop sign. Stop really? light, sorry. Stop light. I, I didn't have a stop light in my mm, town. I had 700 yeah. people was my town. and so you kept Maybe a little more than that, but not a lot more. Were you good in school? Yeah. Were you, but good. were you super good in school? I mean, I was in the top five of my class. Yeah? Of yeah. how many kids? Just 85. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I was not in the top five of my class. We had 40. 40 kids. Yeah. I mean, I was... I don't know. I would say I was, I always tell my kids that I'm street smart, not book smart. <laughs> Why Nashville? Nashville, honestly, I came to Nashville. Honestly, my parents kind of pushed me to come. They didn't push me to come to Nashville. They pushed me to go out of state. I mean, I was going to be like every other person that I knew and grew up around and go somewhere. Probably, I wanted to go to Marshall, which was about an hour from where I lived. And they said, that's fine, but if you want us to help you pay for it and help you along the way, you have to go out of state. And you chose Nashville? I chose Nashville. And, you and kept- I knew no one. I, I'll tell you, I mean, my sister lived here, but I didn't know anyone at the school. She wasn't. She was older than me, and, and she and my brother lived in Tennessee, but they weren't near me at the moment. So you go to Lipscomb mm-hmm. thinking you're going to be a TV reporter. When did that switch over and you decide you want to get into music? I met a girl in Charleston, West Virginia at a festival, and um, I had gone back home for the weekend. A friend of mine ran this very large festival for our town in Charleston, and I had just gone back as a fan and was watching the show, and I was backstage with him, and a lady walked up and to introduce herself to him and this radio guy, and he got pulled away. I'm going to I think I remember who was on this festival. It was Pam Tillis, Steve Warner, Leroy Parnell, and Billy Ray Cyrus. And Billy Ray needed my friend to do something. And so he got pulled away. So I'm standing there with this stranger. I'm probably 19, 20 years old. And I go, so I live in Nashville. I didn't know what else to talk to her about. And she was very nice and friendly. And was like, oh, that's great. You know, give me your story. And, you know, we just start talking. And before the end, I mean, probably 30 minutes later, we're still talking. And we end up having a mutual friend, a person that I had gone to college with that I knew he did music. I knew nothing else about what he did, that he had kind of left school to go chase his music dream. And I meant, she goes, well, what's his name? And I said his name. And she just stopped in her tracks, and she goes, he works with me at Arista Records. And I'm like, really? Like, I really had no idea what he did. And so that made her drawn to keep talking to me. And she's like, if you ever want to do an internship, call me. I didn't even really know what that meant. But I was like, okay. And I get back to Nashville, and I call her, and I don't hear a word from her. Probably her name's Denise Nichols. She's still in the business. She ended up going and getting her, um, she's a lawyer, entertainment lawyer now, but. At the time, she worked at Arista Records in radio promotion. And the mutual friend um, also worked in radio promotions at the time. And two weeks go by, and I walk in my apartment one day from classes, and the phone's ringing. 
because, you know, we didn't really all have cell phones then. So the phone's ringing and it's her and she's like, I'm sorry, I've been traveling. You know, if you still want to do this, come down here and meet with us. And when I did that, Arista was pretty new and it was a standalone entity. It wasn't merged right now. It's in with RCA, Sony, the, the whole a very large corporation but at the time it was standalone I mean I, I, I want to say they had like 12 employees at the time and so I interned there and didn't even really know what I was getting into but the minute I stepped in there and they started giving me jobs I mean I'm talking like I did Mellers and every song had a had a gadget that went with it at that time and if you're putting out a new song you mailed something to radio that fit the song I mean I would do things like that but I was so obsessed with it that if I was not in class, I was driving down there, like beyond the hours I was supposed to do it. I mean, I loved it. So, so you much. found your passion? You mm-hmm. felt like that was yes. it? Explain what A&R is. A&R is artists and repertoire. And they, they are responsible for signing talent to the w- record Would you label. go out and find our acts? Not then. I mean, I was too young and green. I mean, I would go and watch and listen with the rest of our staff. And we were all pretty tight because it was small. So they, you know, they let me have an opinion, but I wasn't really like, I was an assistant. Oh, I mean, at that point, I was still an intern. I mean, I think they hired me. I kept asking to intern. I probably interned a year and a half. I kept re-signing up. So like Mike D. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. He'd be like, can I keep interning? I was yeah. like, man, why don't you just let me pay you finally? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just got to do it, right? It works. Yeah. Um, so I did that, and they ended up offering me a job in A&R. My internship was in radio promo, so I started in that and then shifted into A&R. That was the only position that was open. So I took it, didn't really know what I was about to get into, and then was just hooked. I mean, just all about songwriters and publishing. And I mean, I would literally stay at the office till 10 o'clock at night. Doing what, though? As, at Working new in A&R, like, what, what do you do? I mean, I would organize all the stuff that the other two guys that worked with me did their appointments, their song, but they, but I also, I eventually made it to where I, I earned my way to start taking my own meetings and trying to find songs for our artists to cut. That took a while. Any songs? Oh, that, you're going to make me have to think back. I just mean, one. Yeah. Give me one. Uh, you have all the time in the world. I know. Let me think. There was, um, we had, I mean, I have some fun. I mean, the ones that are coming to mind are songs that we found, and then they would get stolen away. Like like one, that, ar- one artist would put it on hold, but somebody else would take it? Yeah, like Time Marches On was one. So um, who did you, do you remember who you held it for before Tracy Lawrence took it? Um, well, a guy named Steve Williams worked with me at Arista, and um, he, like, he officially put it on hold for Brooks and Dunn. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... So was Brooks and Dunn so new that Tracy Lawrence was such a, a bigger act that they, he got to go, hey, I'd rather have that song? No, I honestly think it was um, an internal swap But They had the same producer, and I think it kind of got shifted. Like a baseball a trade? Like, I'll yeah, trade you kinda. one time marches yes. on for, for one. Ah. It was like a big story back then. Because, <laughs> I mean, we were, we were very passionate about the song, and I'm not sure at the time if Brooks and Dunn had heard it when Tracy heard it first. Um, so it was a big, uh, Tim Dubois, who ran Arista uh-huh. Records at the time, you know, he was, he is a very even killed, gentle soul. But if you mess with the song, <laughs> he will get fired up. So there was a bit of controversy back there then in Nashville. Contro- yeah, because Brooks was, and Dunn had yeah. Time Marches On on Hold. Yeah, yeah. And now, 
the producer ended up doing the right thing, and he he let them have a shot on it, and they end up letting Tracy have it. So I think in the end, it all ended up being fair. It just was. It started off not being fair. So what a good story. No idea. Uh-huh. So you do A and R for a bit, and th- when do you used to go? I think I may want to manage an artist though, because that's a whole different. Even though I it's never, under the same umbrella, it's like a whole different part of the world of music. I really never said that to myself. I didn't. I, from A&R, I went into publishing and did that, I don't know. Which is like song, the songwriters and how songwriters get paid. Correct, yeah. yes. And when you're in publishing, your job is, you're usually called a creative director, and your job is to book co-writes. So you're trying to match people that you think will go well together with either lyrics or melodies or whatever um, on that front and then then once the songs get turned in it's your job to go out to then the A&R people which is where I used to you know be employed on that side of things and try to get the artist to cut the song so I was doing that um, after A&R so I'd always been on the song side of things but that's my second publishing job is where um, I met Luke Bryan and so how do you meet Luke he had just gotten, this company hired me to work for them, and he had just been signed as a writer maybe the month before. that. So he was brand new to town. He came to town. He got super lucky, and he got a writing deal like within a month of moving to town, which doesn't happen that often. So he was on a publishing deal. Correct. And that's how he was paying the bills. Mm-hmm. And I got hired to help him do his catalog and co-writes and pitch his songs and I knew he did like an artist thing in Georgia but I truthfully didn't really ask a lot of questions about it then it was I mean I was focusing on his writing and getting you know trying to get him a song cut did you think Um, he was that good like when you first saw him like like next level good writer or artist just the it of it the it did you catch the it immediately yeah Luke's always had the it yeah you know he has I mean I didn't know the extent of him wanting to do the artist thing. Um, so it was probably a year or more into, you know, working his songs as a songwriter side of things that I just honestly took a couple people, the most, it was a random group, a couple of songwriters and another publisher. Hey, do you want to drive with, drive with me to South Georgia? They're like, okay. And I went to watch his show in this tiny little college bar and literally stood there going, I really do remember the thoughts I had. I went there just to support him and just to see what he was about. And I remember standing there almost like, you know, mouth open moment going, this guy, like every guy in here and every girl in here is singing the songs. It wasn't swayed. I mean, they knew song. He did a lot of covers, of course, but even when he was doing songs that he had written, they knew them. Like, all of them. And it, I felt like it was a Kenny Chesney moment. Like, how I felt when I stood in a crowd watching Kenny do a show. That's what I felt when I saw him perform. Was it weird that you'd worked with him as a writer and you didn't see that until you actually went and saw that? Where it's like, oh my God, this guy that I know has got a whole different type of persona. Was it that kind of... Not, maybe not even persona, but as a performer, he was just like a different, different kind of person. Or just the elevated version of himself. I think it was just elevated. I mean, he is a big personality. Yeah. He walks in a room, and you know he's in the room, and in a good way, you know, in a good way. But when you saw, when I saw him up there doing his element and what he did, it just kind of almost put it in a different perspective for me. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do or what I thought I should do, but I, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. You know, we 
did the show that night and, you know, hung out, drove back like eight hours the next day. And but I couldn't stop thinking about it. I'm like, this guy really deserves like a shot. You know, how do I help him do this? And he, he was, the company isn't around anymore, but it was called Murra Music. It was a smaller independent publishing company that he, that I worked for and he was writing for. And I went to the guy who owned it, Roger Murray, and just said, you know, can I have your blessing to figure out what to do with him? And he was Did like, he want to work with you in that way? Did you and Luke talk? Before? No, not really. I mean, no, because I think I was just more like, I, I want to, I, I, I think he needed, he, he was still green, but you still saw the potential. So I'm like, what can I do to help figure this out and help him with a path? And, and I just kind of started with his co-writes. And I mean, I just started calling people that I knew from Arista in our days and had become good friends with through all of our experiences there. And, you know, I did the old, hey, will you do me a favor? Yeah. Call. And, you know, some did, some didn't. And just really worked on growing, like, his level of people he was co-writing with. And, you know, he still had a great batch of people he was, you know, that he had already developed himself and had, you know, great songs. But I just thought he needed to raise the bar on that side of things. And that's kind of how I started it in my mind, like, going down how to, how to help him grow. And then in the meantime, you know, he was still playing. He, he always kind of played a lot of club shows then in know, Nashville little, or was he just no, playing the southeast maybe like, southeast yeah yeah and you know so he and Michael Carter who's still in his band and his you know guitar player band leader guy I, I saw him at the airport the other day My, yeah, yeah we talked yeah <laughs> yeah so he's still with Luke but they were in a band then you know since college and they would go go do that every weekend I, you know they'd load up whatever vehicle they were driving at the time I remember you know, a small Toyota truck. I remember a Tahoe, just you know, packing it in, and they they went after it every weekend, and and we just kept working on it that way. In the meantime, I would when I was pitching songs to my A and R friends at all the different labels, we I would try to make a point, like if I was playing his song, to talk about him for a minute. You know, I, I, it wasn't time to pitch him as an artist, but like I was trying to get them familiar with his name and, you know, that he was trying to do that and the, you know, the style of songs that he wrote. So that's, that was kind of my game plan, I guess, if I'm thinking back through on it. Every two seconds, there's a victim of identity theft, which means a criminal could be spending your money, applying for loans in your name, and even damaging your credit. The good credit you've worked so hard to build. Unfortunately... You can miss certain threats to your identity by just checking bank statements and monitoring credit cards. The good thing is there's new LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. LifeLock uses proprietary technology to detect and alert you to a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number for sale on the dark web. And if you have an issue involving identity theft, one of LifeLock's identity restoration specialists will work to fix it. Of course, no one can prevent all identity theft to monitor all transactions at all businesses, but with LifeLock, you get identity theft protection and additional features to help protect your devices against cyber threats. Starting at the already discounted price of $9.99 a month, plus an extra 10% off your first year. LifeLock.com or 1-800-LIFELOCK. Enter the code BONES. That's the promo code BONES for 10% off. To get a job, you need a callback. 
a chance to interview and share why you are right for the position. Express Employment Professionals can help. Each week, Express has thousands of open positions. With Express, you don't have to go it alone in your job search. Express connects job seekers to the right company. They are committed to your success and never charge a fee to find you a job. Express knows jobs. Get to know Express. Find your local Express office at ExpressPros.com or on the Express Jobs app. I wonder, just from your side, because there's a point where you have to go, all right, you got, I'm going to consist a paycheck doing publishing, mm-hmm. where you're going to go to a lesser consistent paycheck man- managing an artist. Correct. Because it's a risk, because you're only getting, I mean, I talk about mine, they get 15% of everything I get. That right. being said, I got to get it. Right. Like, I got to be able to make the money, because right. if I don't make money or no one wants to hire me, they don't get paid. So there's a real there's a risk to you going, here's my, my paycheck or I'm my, I'm a water bill covered to I'm going to go and, and put my faith in this artist. Like what point did you go? All right, I'm in, let's go. He, I mean, he had brought it up a couple of times. Like, well, fast forward, we, you know, he was writing songs, writing better songs. Um, he, uh, he had written with a guy named Jeff Stevens, who's a, a songwriter here in Nashville who's had tons of hits. I mean, George Strait, Carrying Your Love With Me, Carried Away. I mean, Alabama Cuts, just been, you know, a successful writer here in town. I had asked Jeff to write with him. And it took a minute to set it up, if I remember right, because I feel like Jeff was between publishing deals or something. So it took a minute, and they they finally ended up writing, and they just hit it off. And they, I think maybe after, like, the third song they wrote, Larry, a guy named Larry Willoughby, who was head of A&R at Capitol Records, heard a couple of the demos and just really loved, you know, kind of the sound. And he was like, you know, he called and he's like, I really like these and I like what Luke's doing right now. You know, who's he doing? Is this Jeff? And so he asked Jeff to kind of keep writing with them and see what they could come up with kind of thing. And so that had happened. Um, Jeff ended up being his producer and is still his producer, mm-hmm. has produced every record, you know, to date so far. So that's a fun story, you know, now looking back on that. Um, but he had asked Jeff to be a part of that. Um, but you, like, yeah. This, oh, this so, is- yes, yeah, so going that. So all these steps that happened, he got a record deal with Capitol Records. Are you his manager at this point? No, I'm still his How publisher. But- how does he not have a manager if he's got a deal? I was just pitching him. I was doing the meeting. Did he I have another saying, manager? No. Work? How does that, like my mind right now is going, he's got a deal, but no, I know so many people that don't have deals that have like 19 managers. <laughs> I, <don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that we were both just naive and green enough to just to keep trying. I so don't know, he, for real. He gets a deal and you guys have been working so close together. There's obviously that trust. Mm-hmm. And so what's the conversation like between you two? He had brought it up a few times, but I was, I said, no, you know, that's not my deal. I don't know how that whole side of the world works. I mean, I know the gist of it, but I've never put a tour together. I've never, like, had to book shows. You know, the whole, that whole side of things. I worked at a label, so I kind of knew the big picture, but I was still, I was on the song side of it. I had never been in that trenches of that. Um, So I would just, you know, kind of brush it off. And I literally, I'd set up meetings either three or four other managers in town and took him to the meetings. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and and when you did that, were you literally hoping one of the managers and Luke would hit it off and he would go have a manager? A hundred percent. Really? Yes, yeah. You wouldn't like take him to the worst ones. 
No. Like that only had done punk rock and be no. like, well, for sure this ain't going to work. No. Look at that. So you're rooting for Luke. You're like, all right, buddy, we're going to go get you a good manager. And those never worked. I mean, there, I mean, he could have picked someone for sure, but then the more he, but know, he didn't talk about it. I think I woke up one day and was like, oh my gosh, it hit me. And I said, I'm either going to have to walk away from this. And th at that point, it was probably four, four years of like really putting a lot into what he was trying to do. I have to walk away or I have to figure it out. That's like every girl I've ever dated. With me. <laughs> poop, they get, they're like, Bobby, get poop or get off the pot. <laughs> and usually I get off the pot. <laughs> and run. <laughs> and I run away. So yeah, you have that decision. Yeah. And you decide. I mean, I was terrified. I had like two friends in town that I really confided in and was just like, what do you think? And two that I was probably driving crazy about it. And, um, and then um, I called Mike Dungan, who is the president of Capitol Records. And I had known him a long time. He was pr the number two person at Arista where I had worked previously. So we'd, we had a great relationship and a long-term relationship. And, but I, I was so kind of scared of doing something I didn't know. And more than that, I didn't want Luke to not be taken seriously. Like it's a brand new artist with a manager that no one has ever heard of that's not a great formula, you know, so, and I knew that. So I just had to get his blessing. I had to, or his opinion, like, you know, I called him and I said, Luke's brought this up a couple times and now I feel like I can't walk away, but I will only do this if you are behind it because I don't want you not taking him seriously. And, you know, the, the interesting thing will be to go back and now ask Dungan what he was really thinking in that moment. You know, when I put him on the spot like that. But he sat there a minute and he he just goes, KP, I think you should do it. And I mean, honestly, that took a lot of weight off. And I mean, I was still scared. But um, just getting him to sign off and feeling like he supported the decision, like made me then feel like I could move forward with it. So there but it is. was still a risk. Like I have no, like there is, there's, you know how it works. I mean, I know not everyone out there does, but I mean, you, like That's you why said, we do the unless, podcast. unless, unless, unless make revenue's money. coming in. Yeah, unless the money's coming in, it ain't, you're not paying your bills or you got to go in the savings. We laugh now because um, my husband's a dentist and he bought our first like step and repeat backdrop thing because- For we, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> so what a step and repeat is, is when you see like Luke take a picture with somebody and behind Luke, it says Luke Bryan or the name of the tour. It's literally just a frame with- some kind of like uh, felt or rubber and it is just, and you get in front of it. Right. And that it's called a step and repeat because it's like next person up, step, take a picture. Mm -hmm. Hey, nice to meet you. It moves on. So your yeah. husband bought that, huh? Yeah. Cause neither one of us have any money. Any money. <laughs> well, then, then away you go though, right? Away you go. And you got a lot to learn. A lot to because learn. Because it's, it's all, it's all the part of an artist's career that I think even people don't realize are parts of an artist's career. Mm -hmm. The touring thing's interesting because you're routing a tour. Yes. And, with the tour route, because I, you know, I've learned a lot of the stuff with touring too. You mm -hmm. you don't go California then Maine. Correct. Like you got to find venues that are mm -hmm. open and available that are near. Like and you, someone you, else isn't near the market. I mean, it's a puzzle piece. Yes. So now, luckily there are other people that help you do that part. But you got to find the right people though too. Yes. Yes. Um, and then we Luke's agent and 
was is a guy named Jay Williams, and he's still his agent today from William Morris Endeavor. Um, but I think at that, I mean, I don't know exactly, but I think at that point, Luke may have been his second client. He had signed Dirks Bentley, and he flew down to a show in Luke's hometown because he had heard about this new kid that had gotten signed, and he flew down, and um, I don't know. We, we hit it off with him. It was like a vibe thing. It was just kind of a gut, like this guy feels like the guy for us, So and he still is today, so he I, helped me a lot. I wasn't here when Luke started. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still in Texas, but was Luke... Was there some heat on him when he was a new artist? And people were like, oh, this new guy? Or was he like one of the new artists that it took a bit? And he, he, he kind of put some songs out and people were like, I don't know. Like, what was it like, like with Luke in the beginning? Well, the first song we released was All My Friends Say. And it ended up being a top five. So you're starting strong. He started All strong. my friends say. So yeah. you're like, bro, this is easy. We got to figure it out. Yeah. How do you feel? When this song actually has some success, you're mm-hmm. a brand new manager. Mm-hmm. Are you like, I made the right call? Like, I feel good about it. Which part? About being all, a manager? Uh, yes, all of it. You're like, <laughs> holy crap, we got a top five song, got a new artist. Like, we're ready to go. Yes, you do feel very proud and very excited, for sure. But, you know, one song doesn't mean you have a career. But you only put out one, and you're one for one. Yes. Okay, so. So we're excited. You got yes. a little a new artist. Yes. This kid from Georgia mm-hmm. kind of has a uh, kind of little... little little twang about him a distinct voice Very, little yes. fla- little little flavor is get so okay what's next next was a heartbreak for us um we put out a song called we rode in trucks and it died now how quickly did it die i think it i don't i'm terrible on memories and all that but i, I want to say it got in the 30s and our head of promo radio promotion at the time um just felt like he wasn't gonna gonna um get it up the chart and the reason it was heartbreaking was when luke turned in his record i think i've heard him say so i'm not misspeaking but that he believed and i definitely believed like it was his song i mean at that point like to me that was the song that was going to this one launch it yes it didn't it did not go so well did not and i was devastated really he was Beyond devastated. Because that was his his personal like baby song. Mm-hmm. Like that was I his... just feel like it was the it is still like if you go and listen to it, I mean it's funny you play in those those because it's I haven't listened to those in a long time as far as like his voice and it just sounds so different now. But um but when you listen to the lyric of that song, it was it was very well done. And I was just super proud of that lyric and what the message was at that time and it, you know it was called we rode in trucks but it wasn't about trucks right it was about life so that one doesn't do well so then it's yeah. like oh great now we got it now now the pressure's on because mm-hmm. you just one just kind of petered out so what happens well you know the i'll say a lesson i learned in that or that i ended up learning when i looked back on it um i think at that moment when that song didn't work I remember sitting in the office I was renting at Starstruck Entertainment and telling myself, you know what, like, I can't just rely on a liaison telling me why that didn't work. Like, I want to be able to ask people in radio why that didn't work. But I didn't know them because I was the brand new manager in town that no one knew. So it really became like a kind of a personal mission of mine to figure out how to meet those people and have a relationship with them so 
the only way I knew to do that was to start going to a bunch like, of shows get on and the get road, on the right? road and do it. And it's funny you say get on the road because even before, and I know it's that you and I have a friendship now, mm -hmm. but even before we, we, we just worked professionally mm -hmm. around each other, you were always with Luke, mm -hmm. always with Luke. And I was like, man, she's always with Luke. Mm -hmm. Well, at the time, though, only, he was my only client for a very long time, so there was that. <laughs> not when I knew you, though, because Cole, Cole came around about when I came around. Yeah, actually, I worked with Kelly Bannon before that, um, so she was my second signing. Now, is, Cole was around, but he was around in a different role. Oh, is that right? He was Luke's merch guy, so yeah. Which, so is, which is funny to talk right. about. Right. So uh, with Luke, um, how many songs did he have that didn't work? That, that was it. That was the one? Yeah. <laughs> So what was next? Um, country man. Okay. Yeah. What was the turning point for Luke where you go, all right, now we went from being a, like a, an artist is on the radio and it's good to like. Probably Do I, that he wrote with uh, Charles and Dave from Lady A. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably the song that you, that you really felt like was making a, a turn. Um, with this song, was there ever a question of who would get it? Because Charles and Dave, it, you know, when artists write together, because I just had this conversation with um, TR, mm -hmm. because TR, Thomas Rhett, and um, Matthew, Matt from Old Dominion, mm -hmm. wrote Some People Do Together. Right. And they had the, the who gets it, because they both really liked it. Now, I wonder when you talk about Do I, was that an issue with them? I think, if I remember right, I want to say that Lady A already had their album out, and maybe it was the timing. And, you know, they, those guys were fired up about being writers and stuff, too. So I think they were just excited, you know, to have a cut, too. Yeah. You know, like I remember the number one party and Charles, you know, speaking on that, just how excited, you know. I, I, honestly, I, for some reason, I was watching it not too long ago. Somebody had a clip of it, like, in the last two or three months. But I rem he's saying in that clip, you know, oddly enough, this was almost more exciting for us than our first number one, which I don't know. But... Uh, they had had, I mean, Need You Now, please. Right. I mean, the biggest song in the universe at that time. So they were doing fine. <laughs> so that's kind of the turning point where, like, do the festival offers, are, are you now the big bold letters? Yeah. Does this do that? Where you, but, you know, Luke's been, in my opinion, I think he's always had a strong touring career. That was actually probably a very big benefit to him. He always was fortunate in that field of clubs and selling them out and you know not maybe not the first time but like we really we really built that for a while club circuit and coming back and coming back and coming back you know but then he did a lot of support i mean i think our first support slot i'm trying i think it was i can't remember if if trace adkins took us out first or but I, the one i remember the most being the longest like real tour was Luke on the front, Bucky Covington in the middle, and Dirk's uh, headlining. Bucky Covington was playing the middle spot he was, uh -huh. of, over Luke. Uh -huh. Crazy. The only time I hear Bucky Covington now is on the airport when he's like, this is Bucky Covington. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming to BNA. I don't know. Where is he? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't even seen him around. Me either. Uh, and he was an idol guy. Yeah. Right? I think. I think he was too. Yeah. From like back in the back in the day. So um, first time Luke wins Entertainer of the Year. I mean... You'll make me cry now thinking about it, but it was, it was beyond insane. Um, it's that, I mean, definitely that you feel like the validation from your peers and coworkers and, you know, but I think it was just even more so just knowing all the hard work that he had put in and just, you know, how, I mean, you don't top that. 
moment, you know, ever. And he and his family have had a lot of unfortunate tragedies and like watching them in that moment and being able to enjoy that moment was, you know, pretty emotional. And, and, um, I mean, I was shocked though. I mean, I really, the truth be told that year when they were doing nominations and a lot of times you discuss with your label kind of what your things are that your most, your important emphasis for the voting period. I, I told them not to include him in entertainer. Like I literally remember saying that I'm like, no, we don't need to go there. Cause I mean, truthfully, I hated, like I never, as an industry person, I always, it always bugged me when I thought people were on there and they weren't quite ready to be on there. And I kind of felt like that's where he was. Like I didn't, I mean, he was blowing up and I knew that I felt that, but I still didn't feel like he should be there. And then after the first round, when he made the second round, but then as a manager, you're like, well, they put him in there. I'm not going to sit here and not you know, try to support it. Yeah, so don't, then, you're not going to go take yeah, him out. Yes, I demand. No. And he, so at that point, we, we went to work pretty hard. <laughs> crazy just because you were there from the beginning. Like there's just all of that early, early sweat mm-hmm. is so much more rewarding. It, it was mind-blowing. Like our, I mean, you know, he's been fortunate enough. He's won two ACM Entertainer and two CMA, but... I mean, on all, all four times, you're just overwhelmed because that's, again, that's like the, that's the Trump, that's like the biggest honor that you can get, you know, in our industry. What's the most frustrating thing about fans with Luke? Or not even fans, critics. Let's go critics because fans are all, fans love, I have this thing to where I talk to people and I'm like, you can't, people just want a voice. Mm-hmm. People are going to say things just to be heard even if they don't mean it. Sometimes, like, where I would get irritated for Luke is when they would, like, hate on him for, like, the yeah. dancing. Yeah. I mean, between the dancing and, you know, my favorite term, bro country. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't even think of Luke as a, as a bro country artist. Yeah, but that's, they started it with him, and it's so... They did. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I... Pretty see. much, I mean. And then, you know, became the thing. And, I mean, I don't know that I heard him do an interview ever for, like, three or four years that didn't come up. It was exhausting. That's yeah. funny that, that you, and you're probably right. I felt like it was an FGL thing more than it was a Luke thing. No, it was Luke first. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. And how did he feel about that? Did he just hate it? Yeah. Yeah. He hated it. I mean, it's his artistry. It's his, you know, livelihood. It's his face. It's everything, you know? So yeah, I mean, that's not what when you're out there working that hard and putting that emotion and energy into writing and singing and performing, and then that's the headline. Eh. As his confidant, like mm-hmm. his, his closest person professionally, and I've had to have these conversations with people that work close to me. Mm-hmm. Like, what? how do you, because people have to walk me through things because I get a bit emotional or like I create something and it's not, how do you talk to him like, hey man, keep your head down. Like, keep, keep going. Don't let this get to you. I mean, he, he's good about that anyway, truthfully. He has a, a good sense of business. And he's, and I think, you know, I don't know, I'm guessing, but I think a lot of it may be, you know, the personal stuff that they've been through tragedy-wise as a family. And, you know, it's a lot, that's a lot heavier than any of this sure. would ever be, you know. So I think just from those experiences, you know, he's good about, 
I'm trying not to get heady about that stuff, but there's no way it doesn't, you know, bother you at some point. So yeah, he, you know, he would have moments that he would get really frustrated about or that he was over it, you know, over that being, you know, you go to a show and wherever, Minnesota, and that person would also like, you know, or, you know, they would somehow reference it. But, you know, the review would be great. The show would be great. But he would still be in there somewhere referred to as the poor country artist, of, you know. So he, I don't know, he, there was some time, I mean, you know, I don't know, I don't remember what year it was, but it was like the topic, you know, and he would do interviews. And, there, you know, a couple of times I would have to maybe stop an yeah. interview or two. <laughs> and that's your job. Yeah. Like you have to be the bad person yeah. sometimes. Like, all right, we're done. My thing is, and did you ever have to deal with me? Did we ever have, did you ever have to stop? With that? With, no, no. Oh, in, I, in that general? was never a thing to me, yeah. but like no. early on. No. I don't think so. I don't remember. I don't think so. I I did get interviews because mm -hmm. people were just, they were a bit, I was the new guy and they were a bit mm -hmm. like, what is, what is this guy up to? Mm -hmm. But as a manager. But you know our town. <laughs> now you know our town. Now I know. Well, I just worked <laughs> both sides of it. So right. now, you know, I'm doing the interviews, but I'm also being interviewed all the time. And so I also have my manager. Right. There are times where they have to step in and be the bad guy mm -hmm. or take somebody out of the room mm -hmm. and have a, an uncomfortable conversation when I, that, they don't want me to be around. Mm -hmm. And that's your job. You have to be the bouncer sometimes. You do. And like, I feel like it's one thing to do that early on. It's harder to do it early on because you still feel like you're getting your foot in the door with everybody and you don't want to make anybody mad or come off the wrong way. But then there's a certain point where you're just like, all right, this is not the best situation for this client and they need to know. How do you feel like being a female in the male business. Mm -hmm. Male, it sounds like you're a mailman. I don't mean male as in, but like the, a dude, a dude bit, or there were a bunch of dudes. How was it for you? Because you, you are, I mean, you are strong. I would say early on, it was very in country. I'll, I'll just stay in that lane. I mean, it was, management was male driven, I would say. I mean, now I feel like it's it's pretty balanced. I mean, I think about, you know, I mean, Marion with Miranda, you know, Mary Hillier with Dirks, um, Anne with Carrie, Virginia with TR. I mean, there's a good group. I'm sure I'm leaving people out, but just off the top of my head, I mean, there's a good, strong group of, yeah. of females now. And, and honestly, it's been great because we're all very supportive of each other. And I mean, there's times that I'll, I mean, I remember probably maybe last fall texting Marion. I'm like, are you in town? She's like, yeah. I'm like, can you meet me? I just needed to vent and like sit with somebody who's, you know, on the same side. And she's amazing. But, you know, she, when I think back to her, um, when I was, you know, trying to decide if I was going to go do management, she was, I mean, I barely knew her then. And she would always meet me for lunch and give advice and, you know, but, you know, there were, I mean, Clint Hyam did as well. I mean, I knew Clint through other, you know, friends and channels in the business, but, you know, he would meet me and, you know, give me inside information of, like, how to go about something, you know. So, I, mean, I feel like I've always been supportive, but you just have to, you still just have to work your way through it and in, in our town. And I always, I kind of say, I mean, I think from the professional side and the artistry side in our town, my opinion, you know, we're all very, you know, we're competitive, but you're still very protective. Like, you know, I think I said this in an interview recently, but... You know, of course, you know, I want Luke and Cole and them to be 
competitive or as competitive as Blake and Jason. But at the end of the day, I don't want anybody else talking about Blake or Jason right. in a bad way. So. It's like brothers yeah. or best friends. Like, yeah. you, like I may beat up, but don't, don't like my show even. Right. Like I may beat up on Lunchbox, but you don't talk about Lunchbox or I'll kill you. Exactly. It's that kind of deal. Yeah. So uh, one of the loot questions, I want to move to Cole. Mm-hmm. So just about American Idol. Mm-hmm. How, how does that even happen? Um, Luke start well. Luke ended up hosting ACMs. You know, started with Blake, um, and then with Dirks for a couple of years. Um, so I feel like that kind of maybe opened that even the TV door a little bit in Luke's mind. I don't know that he ever set out to you know, do that by any means, but he enjoyed it, and it was a lot of pressure. Even that, the face of that award show, and and you, I think he did it five years. So. I really feel like looking back from year one to five, he did grow a lot and he started getting it and like what he needed to do and what they needed from him. And, you know, that's a whole nother, as you well know, it's a whole nother level of not just going on stage and performing. But, um, you know, we had gotten, he had gotten several offers, you know, for different TV things and we had passed on a lot, you know, um, uh, they just didn't feel right, or at the end of the day, he just, you know, he just kept passing on them. And then this, I got a call about American Idol. I truthfully didn't think he was going to be interested, truly. But, you know, of course, I take it to him and give him the details on it. And he just went, huh. He sat there a minute. And I, I, mean, I remember being shocked, like, he's actually thinking about this, you know. And, you know, he asked a lot of questions. And, you know, at that point, I had a ton of questions like we had never gone into any kind of adventure down that lane and we just kind of kept talking through it I you know I, I I'm trying to remember at that point I don't know that anybody I'm trying to think if Katie was locked in so I think maybe she was getting close but I don't know that she was like had signed on the dotted line to come on um, so you were kind of waiting those things out too to see if it made sense um but we just kept talking. We met with him a lot. I mean, it, it was it was a pretty long process the first time. How's he like doing the show? He loves it. Yeah. I mean, I know the answer to that. Yes. But you see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you the two of you, you both love it. You, you we, both sit backstage and talk about different the, contestants. And, the people are so good. Like, I like the, the people, like Trish. Mm-hmm. and Matt, the, yeah. Like, I just like working with the people at Idol. I agree. Because for me, it's all about what environment am I in that's going to allow me to be at my best. Because if I'm not doing something where people are giving me an opportunity to, to shine or supporting me, I don't even want to do it. I think they do a great job of that. And, you know, and I don't know how you felt coming into it the first time, but it's like anything else. I mean, I remember walking into the first, you know, after we signed on and getting to the first audition, I mean, I felt like Mama Bear because I was like... You know, you don't trust anybody when you mm-hmm. walk in because you've just learned along the way. Um, and we didn't know, you know, we'd met him in different meetings, but you don't know him. So, you know, you go in going, oh. Yeah. Um, and also Katie were, and Lionel, too. I mean, there, there's a dynamic there where those mm-hmm. three have to sit up there. and mm-hmm. It's hard. Get, it's a lot of working parts and how is it going to work together. And, I don't, you know, I don't think even, I think about that even when he was hosting until, you know, how many award shows had, had I set through through the years but then when the person you're representing is up there and again they're the face of it you start thinking about it differently but i mean it's a lot of pressure i mean i think about the three of them up there and i mean you you as well i mean you know you guys are trying to give guidance and advice 
especially during auditions, you know, how many kids roll through there. Yeah. And, I mean, we tape, what, 10 hours uh, a day? The days are they're so, they're long. so long. And those three yeah. set up there and have to be on. And, you know, you don't want your advice to sound the same, you know, nor should it. It's different people singing. But, I mean, that's it's harder than you think. Than, than I ever thought about it until he was doing it. But yeah. he does love it. And, you know, you guys talk about it when you're not on camera. We and, do. Yeah, we'll, it'll, and, yeah, we'll be like, yeah. I'll, and I'll ask him not to, I'll be like, why did you not, because we do, our rule too, we don't only really talk about it while it's exactly happening because right. I don't want to, because I'm with them when they don't see them. Right. Like judges don't hang out with them. I'm with no, them all the time. I know, I know. And so I don't ever want to. even more inside scoop. But I'll go to them after they cut somebody and be like, oh, you suck. You screwed up. Like one of the girls, Emma, her, she's going to be Emma Klein. Uh-huh. I was like, why'd you cut her? Like, she's great. And he's like, and he, he you know, he sees it different than I've seen it. Mm-hmm. There, You know, it's those three and I'm taking her out on the road with me the whole, her and Walker are both going out oh, with me the whole Walker year. Walker told me that. Yeah. Yeah. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. So, okay. So, Let's go back, and you mentioned Luke's merch guy, mm-hmm. Cole. Mm-hmm. And so Cole Swindell. Swindell um, well, Cole has been in our life a long time. Um, he went to Georgia Southern, and that's where Luke and Michael, his guitar player, had gone to school. So they had, they were going at you know back and doing like fraternity parties and stuff. And Cole was in school there. He was you know he's a few years behind them. And he would come to these fraternity parties, and he was just intrigued. He was in awe of, like, that they got up and sang. And, then I mean, Luke, and I don't think I was at the fraternity party phase of that, but Luke tells the story of 
you know, him rolling in to do a show and he had a new song that he had written and just Cole's reaction, like you actually wrote it, like you wrote it and him like realizing like, oh my gosh, you know, this guy also wrote the song. Like, how does that work? And just his, he was just so, I mean, Cole just was like the sponge that couldn't get enough of it. And he eventually ended up doing like a little duo thing with another guy from, you know, that he went to school with. And they kind of started doing the little bar circuit thing too. But he was always, I mean, there wasn't a show that we did in the Southeast that he didn't find his way to. You know, he would, I'd look out and be like, oh, there's the Cole, there's that Cole. That Cole kid's here. (laughs) I remember the day that Luke called me and said, um, now, let me paint the picture. I was a solo, like I had zero employees, zero, no help. I I had two small children and I literally would stay up every night. I mean, I would get them to bed and then go back to my email probably till two or three in the morning. We were booking flights. I mean, I was booking flights for radio tours and hotels. And I mean, it was nonstop. So I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd ever been paid yet, which was fine. Um, so I would work with songwriters kind of on the side and pitch their songs and just to have some income coming in, you know, for myself. So that's kind of how I made that work then. But I remember the day that he called and said, hey, um, so Cole's, I just got the phone with Cole and, and uh, he really wants to move to town. Do you have a job for him? <laughs> and I go, Cole? <laughs> like, I remember stop. I go, Cole, like trying to think about it. And he was like, you know, the kid from Georgia. And I went, no, I don't have a job for Cole. I was like, how are we going to pay Cole? And I was, he was like, oh, I just want to help him. He wants to move to town. I'm like, I get it, but we can't pay him. Like, I don't have a job for him. And we hung up and he was very, Luke was very disappointed. And I sat there and like 10 minutes later, I was like, hmm. So I called Luke back and I'm like, well, we do need somebody to sell your t-shirts. <laughs> and he went, perfect. I'll call you back. <laughs> and he, he hangs up and calls him. And literally, Cole drives to town that night. Wow. He was that fired up. <laughs> he was that fired up. He was ready to get on the bus. He was ready to go. So, Cole. If we had a bus, we probably didn't have a bus then, actually, thinking back. Instead of driving day. himself to all the shows, now he's part of the team going yes, to the shows. Yes. And he's selling merch. But, okay, so how does he end up telling Luke or, or you or whomever, hey, I'm also like writing well, songs? We, we knew that he had the art, you know, the duo thing. So that wasn't a secret, you know. But he, he didn't, you know, Cole's. Cole is going to ease his way in. You know, he doesn't walk in a room and 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 demand everyone to know everything. He kind of, you know, I think he sat back and kind of watched it and learned. And he didn't do the artist thing for a while. You know, he was probably out with us selling T-shirts for probably two or three years before I ever really even saw him. I saw him. That many years, huh? Oh, yeah, he did it. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, he did it maybe. I mean, he probably, he was out there with us definitely three or four years selling. But I was going to say, like, it was a few years in before I saw him actively out there trying to write songs. So he and Michael Carter, Luke's guitar player, started getting in the back of the back lounge of the bus. And Michael wasn't really a writer at that time. He had had, like, a small deal maybe right when he first moved to town, but... I think they just kind of taught themselves how to, like, they would do it every day. The two of them would sit back there every day and write. And I didn't hear any of the songs. I didn't really ask about them. And I think one, I, I don't, 
maybe Cole shared one with me, and I was like, oh, that's, that's pretty good. And then he eventually would occasionally share one. And I remember hearing like a demo session and there was, there was a song in there. I'm not going to remember the title right now, but I remember thinking that it was like the best thing that he had ever done. And I went and played it for Luke and I was like, Hey, I think they're getting the hang of it. And Luke's like, really? Let me hear it. You know, he got all excited. And, and I mean, one thing I will say about Luke and Cole was the same. They both are, are truly champions for other people. Like they do. Like I watch, both of them want other people to win and have opportunities and they get, I mean, Luke gets fired up for new artists and Cole does the same thing. They, they just love watching people in those, in those steps along the way. But yeah, so he was our, our merch guy turned. Guy that's riding the back of the bus. Mm -hmm. So for you, when do you go? Okay. Well, it's an investment for you. He, well, he came, I could tell he was, really starting to hate me out there, like selling the t-shirt part. He was really, he had the rider bug bad. And um, so we pulled him off the road and I went to Luke and I said, you know what? I'm like, he's really doing well. I was like, I think I'm gonna try to help him find a publishing deal. And then I think at that point I had the idea to go talk to Luke's publisher and just see if they had any interest or any interest of doing something with us. Or, I mean, I didn't really know. I was just talking through it with a guy named Troy Thomason at Sony Tree. And that is where Luke was a writer. And, you know, I remember we went in there and met with him and he's looking at us like, no, don't make us do this. (laughs) And I'm like, Troy, just, I mean, I remember, just trust us, just trust us, please. And he's like, do you know how many deals I've done like this and how they've gone, you know, with writer, with artists? Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, no, but just trust us, you know. And I'm like, we want to sign Cole and Michael Carter, and they're gonna they're gonna be amazing. And you know, he really did not want to, but uh, but the relationship was important to him, and he was like, all right, we'll try it, and it has paid off well. What was Cole? What was the first song that Cole wrote? Where you, that was like some had some you know substance to it that got some radio play or something. Um, I I think his first cut was Scotty, Curry, Water Tower Town. I think that was the first one, and yeah. then he had a Craig. He and Michael had a Craig Campbell song. Ah, what was the name of it? It literally was the like one of the longest songs on the chart that year. Can't stop loving you. No, no, no. Was no. it? Dang it. A Craig Campbell or Craig? There are two Craigs. Craig mm-hmm. Campbell. Um. Mm-hmm. What was the because he got ah, dropped was, right in the middle? Of, well, it was so so good. So, so it's Cole, a great song. I can't, I'm just blanking on it right now. But. Cole, Cole's writing, but mm-hmm. is he, is he going? I also want to be an artist to you. He, I think he went and did a BMI. BMI um, does a retreat at Key West with songwriters, and I, he went and did that one year, and I think that's when he got the bug back, like when he. And he had a couple of songs that had been hits for other artists, and he did that in the reaction. And he, uh, this is it, out of yep, my head. That's it. Sorry, I it's out of my head. Yes, right yes, yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's a great little. Yeah, this song, whenever Craig Campbell got dropped, they're not dropped. The label, I think, folded. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the song was so good that my company, iHeart, was like, "We're gonna make it on the verge because the song is so good." And Craig was. I remember this whole thing going down. It was, and I'm, and 
it ended up, I don't know if it ended up being the longest running song, but it was, it, it was, was on the, the chart yeah, like a long Almost 60 time. weeks. Yes, a yeah. long time. A long time. Uh, with Cole, mm-hmm. as an artist, did you, did you see him and go, okay, this is the guy who's going to have a bunch of hits and get up and... No, not really, to be honest. I didn't at the time because, you know, he's he's a little... He's he's grown into the artistry side. You know, he was a little more quiet and He's mild-mannered. Yeah, Even he's mild. now, he's mild-mannered, yeah. Mild. So, I mean, did I think, but I knew, like, the songs he was turning in and his writing, that part I knew was great. And he came in um, and played <clears throat> me a song. Well, he had the song called Let Me See Your Girl, and I loved it. And I had talked to um, Stormy and then John Marks about, like, you know, how does this program work that you guys do on XM at the time John was there and um, they at the time when I asked them that question FGL was the only person who had done their program so I was just kind of inquiring about it because I knew that you didn't necessarily have to be signed and they would support it you know it was a little different angle and he had agreed to um, play the song <clears throat> and but in the meantime Cole's Texting me, going, hey, I wrote this other song. I can't wait for you to hear it. I'm wait, dying for the demo. Da, 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 da. And he just kept talking about it. And one day he calls and he goes, are you in your office? And I go, yeah. And he goes, can I swing by? And I said, sure. So he comes in and he's kind of nervous. And he said, well, I got that song back I was telling you about. And I said, okay, awesome. He goes, can you, can you listen to it? I'm like, yeah. So he hands me, you know, his phone or whatever. We, I think it was a phone at that. And I plug it in, and I'm just sitting there, head down, listening to the song. And he told he tells the story that like that I have no reaction, and I'm not looking at him, and he is panicking because he thinks I hate it. And I get why he would think that looking back. But what I was really thinking the whole time I was listening to the song was, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this? I mean, I really was like, this is so fun and so different and so good. And I, the song ends, I turn it off, and I turn around, I look at him. I'm like, do you, you really want to be an artist? Like, you've been on the road, you've seen what they do, you see what it's about, you really want to do it. And he goes, I really do. And I went, okay, because this is the song. And I mean, like, and then we both literally start jumping up and down <laughs> in my office. And that like, song was? Chilling it, yeah. yeah I got my Jam. So crazy. That, that that whole, how one of them rolls into the other. It was insane. I mean, and, and at that time, the only artist I'd ever shopped a deal was Luke. When I was working with Kelly Bannon, she was already signed to a, a, a label at that time. But, um, you know, I started, you know, well, people start calling me because they started seeing the streams and then what was happening and he had no deal. And that doesn't, oh, what a good position to be in. That doesn't happen often, right. obviously, in this town. Maybe a little more now with, you know, more streaming services, I guess. But, um, you know, it was overwhelming. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I think he had an offer from every label but one. And so then I was in a whole, I mean, I'm just begging people to give Luke a deal. And we had one offer. Yeah. <laughs> one and a half, somebody else was about to. And I'm like, no, they came to the table. We're just going to take this one. But with him, it was a different thing. And I, it was, I mean, I learned 
it was learning something new, really. I mean, which has been a fun thing for me personally, like learning. You know, I feel like I don't stop learning. And nor I, will you ever. And if you ever feel like you don't need to, then you're you're done. Anyway, like, I mean, like, you know, doing a deal for American Idol, like doing a mm -hmm. deal on that level, like just what you have to learn to like be in the game. <laughs> the game's a funny thing. And I wonder, because you've done so many things and there are a lot of, I get a lot of messages from new artists in town that listen to this podcast because mm -hmm. we get deep into the weeds about right. songwriting and mm -hmm. a lot of the artists come in and talk about, um, you know, second and third layer type things that you don't really talk about on the radio. Mm -hmm. So what would you say, like what's, what's the key to an artist career, to starting one? It's the age-old question. Like what advice do you give somebody coming to town? Well, I mean, I think, I think it's about, one, the people you surround yourself with and that they really do believe in you and that you trust them because it is, I mean, I talk to all my clients every day of my life, pretty much. I mean, you are in the trenches with them. So, I mean, make sure you surround yourself by people that, I mean, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to, you're going to be mad at somebody and somebody's going to take advantage of you more than likely somewhere along the way of life. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I think I mean, Luke and Cole both have examples that they would go, you know. But, you know, you just got to look at it like for some reason that was part of my path and that's what it was, but move on and, and we'll do the things we can control. I, I think that's part of it to me. Like it's like stick true to who you are and what you're about and what you want to say. And it goes back to your critic thing. I mean, that was another advice or that I would try to, you know, tell any of them when they – feel like they're getting beat up about something it's like you know what all you can do is you and somebody's going to have an opinion and they're always going to say something but be you and be true to you and don't get heady with it you know I mean you, there are all those phases I mean you talk I mean I think about you know as an artist has their fifth and sixth album you're always questioning like what do I do next what do I need to do next you know I, and that's good you should always question that but you I think if you get too heady with it you'll you'll be in a mess as I don't know. I think I did not even answer. No, no, the you did. You did. You definitely did. In a way. So, what is it? If someone's going, man, I think I'd like to be a manager. Mm -hmm. Like they go, I love music. I say run. I'm kidding. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> what? So, what? In um, to, to condense it, sixty yeah. seconds. What does a manager even do in your mind? I mean, there. I guess I think of it like there is nothing that happens in that artist's career that the manager is not involved in or signing off on or approving. Nothing. Like, if you, I mean, unless it's something a fan has done or put up, but, like, anything that, you think of a photo, a social post, you know, are they on a show? Are they not on a show? Or, you know, what's the song? I mean, you're involved in every single aspect of what is happening. So it's a lot. You have to be crazy organized, and then you're still not organized enough. <laughs> and it doesn't turn off. It yeah, I guess turns it off. And, and you have, we talked about John Langston. Mm -hmm. Tell me, new artist. Yes. Um, so tell me about John Langston. John Langston. He came into my path probably, I guess, maybe three years ago. Um, and we had some friends um, in Georgia that had, some, had seen him in the bar circuit there and had mentioned him. And a, a guy that works for me, Dustin Eichton, he does a head of marketing for my management company, he really started paying attention to him. And he would bring him up to me and, you know, kind of hand me a song every once in a while. And, you know, I kind of watched it, but I just kind of watched it. Like, I, I, 
I didn't feel like he was ready then, but he he was creating this underground something. You know, I mean, I, you know, like you couldn't deny it. Like I just kept watching it over like two year period, and he got hooked up with Red Akins, who helped him get a publishing deal, and. Um, I saw his writing get better and stronger and just saw like more shows he was doing. And he was doing a show at third and Lindsley here in Nashville. And I was out on the road with Cole, so I couldn't go to it, but several of my staff were going to go watch him and like support him. And I don't, I really did not, I did not talk to one person in my company about this, but I was sitting on Brian O'Connell's bus, who is a promoter um, for Live Nation I was sitting on his bus um, pre-Cole's performance, and I couldn't stop thinking about John was about to go do this show in Nashville that night, and I was kind of bummed I wasn't going to be able to see it. And I just FaceTimed him and was like, I'm just calling to encourage you and tell you you're going to do great, and I'm excited for you. And by the way, how would you like to work together? Like, I did not tell a soul. It just I couldn't shake it sitting there. I'm like, it's time. Like, I've kind of watched him for two years, and – it's time. So that's kind of where that started. Um, and, you know, he flips out and was like, really? Yes, yes, yes. You know, so it was kind of official that night. And we just kind of kept building him the same. I mean, he was he was green. Um, so we worked on, you know, he worked on his songwriting. And he, you know, like the other guys, I really do feel like I've been fortunate with them. Like, they, they do well on the road. And, you know, he, he sells out, like, every club he plays. And he does, has a great underground following. And um, he came and did Luke's farm tour. Um, 20, what year? What last year? I guess year before, so 17. And at that point, we were, you know, starting to talk to labels about, you know, him getting a record deal, but nobody was really moving on it. And I, kept, I was like, Luke, it's like, these numbers are crazy. I'm like we put out a song of his called When It Comes to Loving You, and he has no, he's never been on the radio, he has no label deal, and my management team put together a plan to release the song, and I mean, he was number one all genres over the weekend that we put it out. And I'm like, you know, that doesn't happen. You don't go on iTunes and, and sell that many singles unless you've built something. Right. So he did that, and, you know, Luke was, like, blown away by that. And um, I had already been talking to a couple of labels about him, and Luke's like, I need to figure it out. I'm just going to figure out how to sign him. So Luke kind of went out prematurely and offered him a deal, and we had no label. <laughs> so I'm standing there going, what are you doing? <laughs> he's like, he's walked off the stage. He goes, Langston, come here. I'm getting you a record deal. And I was standing there going, you can't do that. You don't have a label. <laughs> so I quickly went and figured out how to get him a label. So now we have 32 Bridge Entertainment that John Langston is signed under with EMI. And how big's your staff now? Not big enough. Yeah, right? Yeah. Isn't that a good problem to have, though? It is. I think there's like seven of us. Really? Mm-hmm. You're still in Starstruck? No, actually, I'm all grown up and bought a building, have my own office now. Where's, where's the building? in Berry Hill. You bought a building. Mm-hmm. It was time, Look though. Look at you. It was time. It was time. The like, only we, people who has built, like, you ha- you have a building. Well, I don't, don't. Come on. I'm no, not no, no, saying no. it like that. I'm saying it like that. You know what annoys me for you sometimes? What? And I hope you, you, you know I love you too, right? Like, completely. So I, I want to, okay. 
when people will say she's one of the the best women, I'm like, you guys are out of your mind. She's like the best. Stop mm-hmm. put, put stop tagging it with a male or female thing. Thank you. Like if, when I when when I see them, they're like, she's one of you know the the best female. Ma-. I'm like, f you guys, man. She's one of the best managers. I mean, that is still weird to hear. I mean, I don't know. It's weird to. I mean, you know, fortunately, you know, a couple of our industry magazines do those power player lists mm. and all that and and you know when that when you're on that like you're like what what is what excuse me you yeah know, but I, you sh- I really don't think of it like that i mean i really do i don't this is going to sound cheesy but i swear to you i love every minute of this and i love what i do and i love i mean for the, sound from, cheesy. nothing sounds cheesy right now well, i mean i wouldn't be like, but but it truly is like from when I, when I got that internship and I did not leave Arista Records, like, I still feel that way, like, every day. Like, if I'm not, if I wasn't in class, I was trying to figure out how to get down there and do work and learn something. And I really still feel that. I still get excited. Like, nothing is, I mean, there's exciting moments, like, crazy milestones, you know, people play the Opry and, and you watch, you know, you watch the joy of your clients in these moments and you're sharing in that and that those are overwhelming, you know, it really is. But I, I don't know that I still get just as excited when someone comes and hands me a song that, you know, like cold it with chilling it. Like I have a song I want you to hear by the way. Okay. No, <laughs> I bet that's uh-huh. kind of, a, I bet that's a thing too. Cause I, I deal with that as well where people are just trying to get you music yeah. in, in the most random of ways. But I love it. I but, still but, love it. Uh, there are times. Okay, good. I'm glad you love yeah. it because it's great. Whatever. But I'm a, I love blah, songs. blah, 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 blah. When someone like gets in your personal, sp- like mm-hmm. there'll be times where I'll validate my car and people will leave stuff in my car. Well, I'm not as famous as you. Don't but, forget. <laughs> it's true. Mm, yes. In a different way. Like if you're far more valuable in that lane than I am. If they, but you have a totally different reach too. But, so. And you have a totally different strength. Okay, we're just going to okay. agree to disagree <laughs> on this one. Um, well, listen, we, Mike, how long are we done here? Uh, almost an hour 10. We don't ever do them this long. I'm telling you, this has been, I was so lucky. I, only, I didn't even reach out to you personally because it's the, the, the whole dynamic oh, for me. And, you're so professional about well, it. Well, here's why. Because I don't go to people that I know know and ask them to do anything professionally because like that's a, that's a different avenue. Like I would call you and be like, hey, uh, we're in L.A., we're at the hotel. You want to get something to eat? Right. I would text you. Or like the yeah. greatest advice. You gave me a piece of life advice that, you, that I don't even know. That you don't even know. What? Let's that changed my life. You said you should go to Disney, Disneyland. Oh, <laughs> true. Yes, I did. We were, um, we were after Idol. After Idol 1. Yes. Uh-huh. And uh, since we work for ABC, there's a hookup with Disneyland. Yes. And we, I had just gone. You would, yeah. And we were, with, we were together mm-hmm. and you were like, you got to go. And then when I heard you had never, I'd ever never been, been yeah. I, like, I wanted to take you right then. And so... But of course you couldn't because you had 10 other things to do. <laughs> like a week and a half later, I called and... And I gave you the name. You did. And I'm like, the whole hookup. Uh, well, no, we, 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 I introduced you. That's right. Yeah. Backstage on the press line. And you're like, this is the guy. <laughs> and like, I, You got to know this guy. And you were so adamant that it wasn't, like, I wasn't putting anyone out. No. Like, you're like, dude, you're like, you work for ABC. This, this is the... You, even away from the guys, right. you're like, dude, just do, do it. it. Please Like, this do is the it. one thing you're like, I know, you don't want to bother, but just do yes. it. And yes. I did. It was awesome. I had to go through no lines. It was the greatest thing ever. And it was, you feel ridiculous, but it's, it's, yeah, life, the, it's life-changing to do it that way. <laughs> you feel ridiculous cutting in line to everyone, but you feel 
less ridiculous, then you feel more relieved that you don't have to wait in line the whole time. Definitely. So definitely. And then you know that you've worked hard to get that relationship in some way, right? Ah, you know, I just have to understand the line. I'll be honest with you. When I was going on Space Mountain, I was like, you know what? Thank God for Carrie. Um, well, listen, I um, I'm happy to see your success. I, it's, it's it's and my point was I wouldn't ask you to do. I don't know. I think I went to Mike. Who did you who did you talk to to get to Carrie? Um, how did you how did you get asked I to do this? Tom. Yeah, oh, my, so my man, yeah. my yeah, manager. Because I didn't yeah. want to. Re- yeah. It's like even now, I would say two years ago, I would have been like, "Hey, Luke, come do the show." Mm-hmm. I won't do that now mm-hmm. because I just feel like we're on a different level, and I wouldn't want my friends to do stuff for work. Yeah, it, and you're also, you know, like you said in the beginning, you have two roles in this town in this life, so you also know what it's like to kind of not be put on the spot. Nobody means it like that. Right. But, you know, it's it's good to have the, the buffer. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I didn't want to ask and you. And just for the record, I don't think I've ever done someone's podcast, so that means I like you a lot. Well, I appreciate and that. And I'm comfortable enough to come here. I was like, oh, gosh, okay, sure. I was I was excited. That, I was surprised and excited. They, they said yes, and I didn't make I went to Mike, who went to my manager, Tom yes. Lord, who went to you. Yes. So when it came all the way back, because that what that does is it gives you an opportunity to say no without... Right. Because if I were like, hey, Carrie, come over to the house and do the podcast, if you don't want to do it, there's an awkward step in there. And it's not for everybody, you know, but... It should be. This is a great podcast. Not, <laughs> I mean, in a, general, people uh, don't like to, like, you know, so I don't do, I don't do it a lot, but it's well, you been kill fun. It. You dig Thank it. you. In over an hour. We did an hour. Did it feel like we that? We didn't even talk about all my clients, We didn't. Okay. We didn't. Who else do you want to mention? Hey, who, are the, who are the young, the young boys? Young kids. Christian Clemente and Brody Clemente. CB30. How Am I getting old or are they like nine? They are younger, but they are 18 and 15. Okay, I'm getting older. So they are. But when I first signed them, they were 12 and yeah. 15. Oh, they so were. Yeah, so we've been, we've been grooming them along the way. But they are now signed to Buena Vista Records, which is one of the Disney labels. Mm-hmm. We're back to the Disney connection. Um, so, yeah, they, they just put out a song. Um, I think two weeks ago, called that moment when, and we haven't really done like the official radio thing, but yeah, um, please go listen to it. It's fun. Yeah, they've really they've grown a lot. So, and then Adam Craig, who you've had on the show before, yeah, and um, he's on Broken Bow, and he I've played festivals with Adam before mm-hmm. too. He came up and he's played with us before. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. he has a new song called um, "If You're Lucky." And I love it. Have you heard this? You need to go listen. It's really fun. Here, well, I'm going to play it right now, okay, actually. Perfect. Here, here. Not so, the whole yeah. thing because yeah, we'll get, get sued. I get it. By you. Carrie, <laughs> I Carrie, know nothing. Carrie I know leaves nothing. and sues us because we put her song on a podcast. <laughs> I know nothing. And so Adam, and I like, I like Adam Craig a lot. Yeah. I didn't know, I didn't know. So what's, what's the plan with Adam? He, well, we just released this new yeah. song. So um, we released that. We le- released two at the same time, but this, this is the one that went to radio um, a few weeks ago. Love that releasing two at the same time, too. I'm such oh, a, a, a fan of put more out there. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to connect because you have 10,000 things coming in 10,000 directions. If you can get something that just somewhat kind of hits somebody, you won. And so the, the more music you put out right. there... And labels are getting more open to it now. So it's it's becoming... A little more of the norm than it was, you know, what, a year ago? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they were real receptive. We put this out in another song called Whatever You're Drinking To. He had a new producer on this stuff. Um, so we're excited about it. He's, I mean, honestly, like, this guy's voice. Yeah, it's really, really strong. He's, yeah. he's one of the best vocal performers, like, that I've ever heard. And definitely, you know, he's just, he's just a good human being, too. So you want him to win. So we're going to work hard. 
my final question is, I was watching um, on Netflix. What's the Pablo Escobar show called, Mike? Narcos. I was watching Narcos, right? Yeah, some haven't watched it. Okay, well, you don't need to, but they have these money machines where they put all the cash to it and it counts it. Tell me those you have at your house. Cause that'd be good. You are I, I evil. Imagine, <laughs> no, no, I imagine that like you walk over that and it's like, terrible. it's just all, that is terrible. All right. That's all right, bad. Listen. listen, we'll end on that. Um, Thank you for having me. No, are you kidding? This has been so fun for me. I, like I said, I'm in shorts and slippers and maybe like one out of 15 of these I get to do that. We're going to go eat some chips so, and queso or yeah, something, yeah. right? Um, <laughs> if you haven't heard of them, Luke Bryan, mm-hmm. check him out. Please. If you probably have uh, Cole Swindell, maybe hadn't heard of him either. Mm-hmm. Um, we just Adam Craig, uh, John Langston, CB30, and CB30. Mm-hmm. What's what's that stand for, by the way? It is the the first initial of Christ- their Christian, yeah. and then Brody, and then thirty. They were both both of their birthdays are on the thirtieth of a month. So you know, it's hard to come up with a name. It for is. bands and groups, but that's what we landed on. Even for me, I have the stupidest yeah. name ever. It's hard to come up with a name. Bobby Bones, <laughs> the stupidest name ever. Um, okay, episode 185. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you. All right, see everybody next time. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com.